This is an ABC podcast. So tell me about Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> tell you about Oscar. What can I tell you? <laughs> oh, mum. Oh, mum. I know. Oscar Berry is no ordinary young man. He asks a lot of questions. <laughs> he must know where everyone he loves and knows is at all times. Mum, doing on me. More than half a million Australians rely on the NDIS, the National Disability Insurance Scheme. And for many of them, like Oscar, it's changed their lives. Ready, Oscar Katz, ready? Oscar Katz. When it launched, it promised so much. But appeals have quadrupled in the last year. Trust in the scheme has plummeted. So what's gone wrong? For six years, we have fought to get him decent funding for what he needs. And last year, we get it. And this year, you strip it from him. Hey, Miyuki Okiranta here. And for this episode of Earshot, we're immersing ourselves in the turbulent waters of the Berry household, run by the force of nature that is Kim Berry. Kim's son, Oscar, has been in the NDIS for seven years. And it's been mostly brilliant until... It wasn't. Not only did they break the promise, they threw it out the window and then reversed over it a few times and, you know, then drove off into the sunset. So come with us as we join the Berries for a story with a difference about the emotional roller coaster that's the NDIS. Here's When Oscar Was Promised the World with producer Kirsty Melville. Oh, Mum! Oscar is probably the most empathetic human you will find. When he was about two, I had severe postnatal depression after having Felix, the next brother. And I was in the kitchen and sobbing. And Oscar came over to me, so he was like two and four months. And he just goes, Mama, Mama, And with each He pointed to the kettle. He pointed to where the teacups were and he pointed to where the tea was and then he pointed to me. And that just really nails it. Hi, I'm Kim Berry. I'm 49. I'm a Sagittarian. (laughs) I first met Kim on social media about 12 years ago. She was a diamond, brilliant, with immense clarity. She sparkled and she revealed her flaws in ways that made her even more compelling to follow. Um, Okay, Uh, so hi, I'm Kim Berry. I am a mum of four boys. My eldest, Oscar, is 24 and he has a disability. We call it the dodgy chromosome because he's got a rare partial duplication on chromosome four. And then he has three brothers, Felix, 22, Jasper, who's 16, and Grover, who is 15. And we all live at home. The sheer crazy of Kim's life is astounding to watch from the outside. But every night, she punches out some incredible meal. You can practically smell it through Instagram. And she's hilarious. But there was darkness too. Depression. The deep fatigue and 3am fears of raising a son with a disability, endless hospital visits. And then 
a shock marriage breakdown. We had a family realignment in 2014, which was when my then husband, now the husband, left home. Yes, Kim can make anything funny. Oh, Mum! <laughs> I feel like I've known Oscar his whole life. I've watched him grow up, forge deep friendships, be hospitalised time and again for the pesky cellulitis that plagues his left ankle. I've watched him touch so many. And now, it's my turn. This is Oscar. Hello, Oscar. Hey. <laughs> this is Kirsty. Did you say hi? Hey. He loves it when we have people over. Don't you, Oscar? Yeah. This house is probably the most inherently boring part of his entire world. Yes. I've got a bit skewed with your buttons. Oh. <laughs> he is quite the fashionista. Wicked sense of humour. Good on the tooth. <laughs> Atrociously stubborn. But always wants to please. Even from when he was little, he was just like this golden orb of light. And... Bad things have happened along the way, like really traumatic things, illnesses and and operations and and fights with government agencies. But he is the embodiment of goodness. Of course, he drives me mad. <laughs> oh, what is Mum doing on me? Uh-huh. We're just talking about you, Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I met Rob. And then Rob said one day, I think we should be spending more time at your place. And I was like, why? And then he said, I want to be in the trenches with you. And then, and now every day we wake up together and just look at each other and go, I'm so tired. (laughs) Rob, how would you describe Oscar? Oh my God. Oscar's very clear on the important things in life. It's like, mum is okay, hanging out with mates, and uh, what are we eating tonight? (laughs) And he basically, he just loves everyone. And it doesn't occur to him that there's any other way to live your life. Also, so many questions. What are we doing today? And what time are we leaving? And what are we having for dinner tonight? And where's everyone going to be? And what time are they home? And where are they going to be? And what time are they home? And where are they going to be? And what time are they home? (laughs) (laughs) And what eat? (laughs) And mum okay? Oh, hell mum, no. (laughs) So, lucky you. Now you've also met Oscar. And when you hear stories about the NDIS and the half a million Australians who were participants in the scheme, you have another face to put to those words and stats. The current system is unfair, it's underfunded and it's fragmented. Access to services is a very cruel lottery. Oscar was just 13 when then Prime Minister Julia Gillard announced the federal government would push ahead with a national disability insurance scheme. What is useful is if people understood the system that existed before, which was various agencies were given a finite bucket of money. So then they would either be fully allocated, so you would just go on a wait list. So think about that for someone like Oscar when he was young, who had cerebral palsy and would have deeply benefited from a very rigorous physiotherapy program. And we went to the Cerebral Palsy Alliance and we were literally told he's not bad enough to access our services. This is a kid with cerebral palsy couldn't access services with the Cerebral Palsy Alliance. And we were certainly not in a position to be able to afford private physiotherapy, same with speech therapy, OT. So they came back to us four, maybe five years later and said, you've been on our wait list. And that was what it was like. 
So when they announced the NDIS, it was a massive relief. So to put it very simply, before the NDIS, disability agencies got the money and clients had to fight for access to it. But under the NDIS, that money would go directly to the people with a disability so they could choose to spend it on what they needed. And then the icing on that cake was we would have this coordinator who would work on our behalf and be our advocate and would just sort of go, well, this is who Oscar Berry is, this is what he needs for a rich and fulfilling life, and off we go. And there's so much trauma when you have a kid with a disability. A friend of mine said to me, we call it living grief. And she said, but there's always a little part of you that is like, what if that dodgy chromosome didn't do what it did? And so the notion that there was a chance that a part of that trauma in terms of constantly having to justify why your child needed help, that that part was taken away was just, I mean, it's you could almost taste it. It will be launches, not trials. Permanent care, not temporary help. Disability care starts in seven weeks' time and there will be no turning back. I commend this bill to the House. You say it, Oscar. You say it. No practice. Say, ready? Yeah, practice round. Go, Oscar, practice round. Now, the overarching goals for us with Oscar's NDIS plan, because by this point he was getting towards the end of schooling, was that he would ultimately be able to move into a supported living environment with friends and we would have a carer system set up, but also that he would get a job. And that was his goal. And so, I mean, really, we just wanted for him what we would want for any other young adult. And it started well. One of the beauties of the NDIS is that, unlike before, you can pick your own carers and services. So Kim went service shopping, talking to Oscar and his coordinator, and working out a program tailored just for him. Ready, Oscar, catch. Ready? Oscar, catch. So Oscar needs programs that are active and outdoors. And in a group. And in a group. He's one day a week when he's in that sort of office environment where he's like, like he started to do this thing where he would ring and say that he wasn't well, that he has sore tummy. But this is bored. Yeah, like every Monday he'd be unwell. So every month, yeah. So then he'd just come home and then he'd just go, oh, I'll go and see Jaden, which is a friend of his who lives down the road. And I'll just be like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> he was so dirty when we got onto it. He was like, yeah. Oh, hell, Mum, no. <laughs> Oscar spends part of his week job training and the other part doing group activities with his carers, Max and Courtney, a young couple Oscar just adores. They genuinely just love these kids, young adults. You know, they'll take them for like a massive bushwalk and they take them up to Barangay Lighthouse and then they'll take them out to a zoo and they'll take them... Oscar wouldn't even walk on sand before he started going out with them and now he gets them in the ocean and Max is like, I'm going to get him on a board. I'm going to, it's, I'm going to get him on a board and I'm like, that's just hilarious. I mean, as you can see, Oscar's a big unit. It'll be a very funny thing. But it was close, Max and Courtney also look after a big group of Oscar's old mates they all went through school together. And they've even started taking them out to the pub every Friday night. 
because they were like, well, every other 20-something-year-old heads out on a Friday night for a beer or to hang out with their mates at the pub. A bit of pool. <laughs> so would it be your favourite part of the week, Ogger? Yes. Yeah. What do you normally get when you go out to bar night? Is bar. Yeah, you have beer. Yes. And one is go on the herring eyes. We have. He's done a few, like, weekends or some trips away. They went to... No. They went to the snow. Yes. Yeah, Mum. And, like... Yeah, give me. And just... Oh. Anyway, an Oscar and a toboggan is seriously one of the most funny things I've ever seen in my entire life. It's like a wombat on a tray. His goals out here. Oh my god! It was cold, wasn't it? Well, it was the snow. It's Have you got the video of you going down this the slope? No. I might be able to find that. How, Mum? I have my way. Where me? You're in that montage somewhere. <laughs> it does look like a wombat. Got <laughs> <laughs> <Get> me. <laughs> oh gosh, their life is just everything that you hope for all of your children. Mm. It's rich and it's full and it's fun and they have friends who are important to them and they're out doing things together just like any other 24-year-old. And that's all the good stuff. Now, on the boring side, every year or two, depending on what you choose, NDIS participants must have a new plan approved. Kim and Oscar's local area coordinator or LAC, spend weeks and weeks putting this together. It's essentially a new funding proposal. And it's a gruelling process of meetings and appointments and collating assessments and reports and costings. It all has to be couched in a very particular, very bureaucratic language. And this is where the promises start unravelling. There was this real promise that you would not have to keep repeating Oscar's story and what Oscar's needs were over and over again. And is that how it's been? We have never had the same LAC in the seven years that he's been in the program. Every year we're actually back, just like we used to be, where you've got your little bowl in front of you like Oliver and just sort of going, please, can I have some more? And so back in February, Kim and Oscar's latest LAC began the arduous task of putting together his new two-year funding plan. We thought it would largely be a continuation of his plan from last year, which we were really happy with. And all we wanted was some extra respite days and nights because we were gearing him up for independent living. And we put in for one night a week and four weekends a year because we thought if Rob and I go away for a weekend, we know that he's okay. And he's, you know, hanging out with carers that he just adores. Would rather live with than us anyway. <laughs> yeah. Would you yeah. rather live, yeah, who? Max and Courtney. Yeah. <laughs> Max and Courtney are so much cooler than, than me and Rob. Not to mention very much better good looking. <laughs> so it's fair. It's fair that he would like to, you know, <laughs> I didn't like to live with them. <laughs> so that that was pretty much all we wanted. Everything else we were absolutely happy with. Because he's 24, it's not, nothing's dramatically changing. In early April, Kim and the LAC submit Oscar's plan to the NDIA to be assessed. But then, a month later, a shock. And then I got this phone call from the LAC 
And she said, oh, so I'm guessing that you've seen the plan now. And I went, no. She said to me, look, it's not good. And I was like, what? Kim rushes to her computer and opens up her MyGov account. So I've just opened Oscar's plan agreement for the next two years and they've basically cut his funding in half. His funding's been stripped, like stripped. Oscar's weekend activities every Saturday and Sunday with his carers, Max and Courtney, have been cut to one weekend day a month. His weekday activities cut in half. And instead of increasing Oscar's respite as they'd proposed, it's also been slashed. So the respite that they've given us is basically like six Saturdays a year. And it's not for a whole, it's not for overnight. It's like six hours or four, I can't even tell. It just makes me feel sick. It's basically cutting Oscar adrift from everything that we've just established. There's not enough funding for him to keep up the programs and the things that he does every day. Oh, God. And there are other cuts too. They've cut the funding for him to access the gym program that he does up at Cerebral Palsy Alliance. And it's amazing because it's designed for people with cerebral palsy and critical for fitness, critical for mobility, his gait, flexibility. Then there's the funding to help Oscar move towards independent living, one of the key goals of his entire NDIS plan. That funding was denied because we didn't use it in the last funding round. And they said to us, well, they didn't use it, so they don't, they don't get it. And why didn't you use it? Because uh, of COVID. <laughs> yeah. Everyone was in lockdown. How were we going to find a place for Oscar and a couple of friends to live with carers when everyone was in lockdown? And also, like, name me a 24-year-old that wants to be living at home with their parents. Oh, he's actually fine with that. But in all seriousness, it's this kind of bureaucracy that's driving people mad. So has the NDIA assessor who is making the decision on Oscar's plan ever met him? No. They're this faceless human sitting somewhere. And how many plans are they meant to get through in a day? Because I can guarantee there is pressure on them from above that you need to get through X number of plans a day. Because it's just, it's happening to too many people. But the NDIA says that there's been no directive for cost cutting. <laughs> so... I don't quite understand how they can say that and then we can look at the figures of just how many appeals there have been. And anecdotally, from where we sit, it would be one in two of us that is having our plans completely decimated. Wow. You know, it's... These are people. This is Oscar's life. You say it, Oscar. The NDIS was a very expensive promise and its costs have blown out. The scheme is projected to cost $50 billion a year by 2026. 
almost 60 billion by the end of the decade. This might explain why the previous coalition government was tightening the strings. If you want to appeal a decision, the first port of call is to request an internal review by the NDIA, the body that oversees the NDIS. If you're not happy with the results of that review, you can then take your case to the Administrative Appeals Tribunal. And a record number of people are doing just that. There are about 4,400 legal disputes before the Administrative Appeals Tribunal. The AAT process is breaking people. But frankly, I've been appalled at some of the needless hardship, bureaucratic stupidity. Every review, it's becoming harder and harder to get the help I need. So why was Oscar's plan cut? What reasons did the NDIA give? Everything that they've rejected, they've said we haven't supplied a medical report. Oh, they've actually given us funding for him to have an assessment. So they've given us thousands of dollars for him to go and have a cognitive function assessment to then access us funds. Like, what is... Does give us that money for him to be able to access the funds? Oh, my God. The reason Kim is so frustrated is because Oscar had a cognitive function assessment just two years ago. So Oscar has a rare genetic disorder, a moderate intellectual disability, verbal dyspraxia, cerebral palsy, epilepsy. Like the last time I looked, none of those things go away. And so at 24, how often do we have to get a medical report to prove that he has a disability? I'm just like... What am I going to tell Oscar? What am I going to tell him? You can't go out with Max and Courtney or because we don't have the funding. So what Oscar sees is his life and going out with his mates. We've got to tell him, well, you can't do that anymore because we can't pay for you to do that. I mean, that is unconscionable. Like, I mean, we're obviously going to appeal it. Oh, God, I feel ill. I'm just boiling, actually. <laughs> I'm boiling. The tears will come later. At the moment, it's just rage. (sighs) And so, in her initial panic, Kim bites the bullet and pulls Oscar out of half his activities, stops his exercise program. If she doesn't do this, the money that has to last two years will barely last one. But for Oscar... He doesn't get all that money stuff, doesn't understand why all his mates are still going out every day with Max and Courtney, without him. He's now left at home half the week, doing his own thing. So what do you do with yourself during the day now? Go on the bus, go on the beach. He can get himself around the city, but I don't want him doing it on his own. I do worry because we have had quite a few incidences of people coming up to him and wanting money. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, did that, when does that happen? On the bus, got a mummy. And what do you do? Yeah, no. And then we just went, you know what? No, we're going to play chicken. We're just going to keep running his programs how we were running them and appeal it. Welcome to the National Disability Insurance Scheme. So you've been spending the money Mm. a bit fast. Mm. Yeah, and hoping that our appeal is successful. If you are calling about an existing NDIS record, press 2. 
By reversing her decision and pushing on with Oscar's original activities, Kim's taking a huge risk. If their appeal is not successful, they'll run out of money fast and she'll have to pay for Oscar's care out of her own pocket. And how much will that be? Oh, I can't. I can't even in the tens of thousands. A year? Yeah. How would you manage that? I, I don't know. I can't imagine I'd be able to work full time. I wouldn't be able to work in the job that I've got. But then I would need to work in the job that I've got or something that pays better to then pay for the things that we'd need for him. But I can't leave Oscar at home all day on his own. I just can't. Like, it's just not, it's not okay. Since Oscar's plan was slashed back in April, there's been a change of government. And with it, a raft of new promises. One, we'll run the scheme more efficiently and empathetically. Two, we'll sit down and look at some of the long-term pressure so it's not just a lifeboat in the ocean. I just want us to have the world's best scheme. Before the election, would-be minister for the NDIS, Bill Shorten, promised a sweeping review of the scheme. He also promised to put people with a lived experience of disability at the centre of it. And last month, this happened, with wheelchair athlete Kurt Fernley, appointed chair of the NDIA. So far, the words are promising. But can the NDIS become all that it promised to be? Only time will tell. Meanwhile, Kim and Oscar are still in limbo. Okay, so since we last spoke, uh, we've had an update. I had someone call me from the NDIS. I put in stuff for an appeal and they came back and said, you're one day late, like within the appeal time frame. Because, <laughs> of course, you know, mum's dementia has just been in a really rapid acceleration or decline. What do, how do you define that? Anyway, but they rang me and she was so empathetic. I couldn't believe it. I just burst into tears. <laughs> like, not a little sob. Like, I could barely get words out. And I was just like, I can't do this. I can't do it anymore. I just said, I have to go and hung up. <laughs> so then they booked me in for another session with a new local area coordinator. So this is probably the eighth LAC that we've had. Oh, my God. She just talked me through everything and that, yes, it's ridiculous that you have to do it, but sort of this is why. And But, yes, we have to go off now and get Oscar this cognitive function test, but I think they've been doing it with nearly everyone when it comes to so many people getting their funding cut. So to actually find an appointment is really difficult. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's back to pre-NDIS days. So I can't see us getting a re-examination on his funding until next year. I can't, Kirsty, I can't actually express the weight that this puts, the weight that I feel from this. It just is like this shadow that just follows me everywhere. What's going to happen? What will we do if we don't get the funding? And I just... I'm so tired. I'm just so tired of fighting and proving just how amazing this young man is, but that he needs support to truly realise what he's capable of. Oh, 
When Oscar was promised the world, was produced by Kirsty Melville. Our sound engineer was David LeMay. Next time on Earshot's season of stories about promises, the unattainable promise of the beauty pageant, some hard truths about a glamorous business. I'm Miyuki Okiranta, and I'll catch you then. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio, and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.